This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, welcome back, everybody. We have had two weeks off, haven't we, for internationals? Well, me and me and Andy haven't. We've been busy recording international podcasts. Um, but yes, Mike's had a couple of weeks off, and unfortunately, he's not very well today, so he won't be joining us today. Uh, get well soon, Mike. Uh, we do have a third voice lined up. Uh, we can keep you hanging on as to who that is, but they will be joining us later on in the podcast. Um, but yeah, obviously, we've got no game to review because we reviewed the last note game, which was QPR away. We reviewed that before the international break. Uh, so, uh, Andy, I think we're going to dip straight into the news, mate. So, yes, uh, first piece is the under-18 striker, Ali Ali. His volleyed finish after a fine team build-up versus Leeds. It actually came second in the National Academy Goal of the Month Awards for August. Uh, so, well done to him. Uh, talking to the under-18s, last week they didn't have a game and this week they are away at Newcastle, uh, kicking off at 11am on Saturday. The under-21s, uh, they didn't have a game either last week uh, and they have a busy week coming up, so they've got a trip to Leeds on Friday night for a 7pm kickoff in the league uh, before facing Hamley Town away on Tuesday. So a 7.30 kickoff there, that's in the Staff Senior Cup. Uh, so, yeah, so anyone who wants to get down there, um, yeah, by all means, I'm sure you'll be more than welcome down at Hanley Town. Uh, so, there's a couple of local sides, actually, as well, who are involved in FA Cup football this weekend. So, we're now we've got two rounds until the first round proper. Uh, so, we've got Congleton Town, they're playing filed, and that match has been selected on the BBC Red Button. So, half past 12 on Saturday, that kicks off. You can watch that on the Red Button on the BBC. And then Hamley Town, they're away to Chester, 3pm on Saturday. And I think Congleton Town are the lowest ranked team left in the competition. Yeah, they're the lowest ranked complete side in the whole competition, which is a good thing to have against you because, you know, I think last time it was Kidderminster or something like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they qualify. But one thing to mention for Chester, if you remember Kieran Coates, he is now their right back. So, do you want to go watch an ex-Stoke player as well? You know where. ...in the FA Cup this weekend. 
Uh, fixture news, Luton at home has been rearranged for Tuesday, November the 8th, kicking off at quarter to eight. Uh, and in loaning news, Blondie has joined Southend on loan until January. And obviously talking about loanies, obviously last uh, season we would catch up with loanies while we were at the clubs, you know, get some feedback on how they're getting on. So we've started this. Uh, so initially we've got Jake, who's a Lincoln fan, and he's going to tell us how Tashan Oakley Booth has been getting on at Central Bank. Yep. Hi, mate. My name is uh, Jake. I am from the Stacey West podcast. Uh, I'm here to tell you a little bit about how Tashan Oakley Booth has been getting on at Lincoln. Um, so <clears throat> we did a live podcast with Mark Kennedy when he was first announced and Tashan was actually signed on loan the day of the podcast and uh, Mark informed us that Tashan was someone who he had been keeping a close eye on ever since they came across each other when Tashan was playing for Spurs under 23s while Mark was in the Wolves setup uh, and he was always someone that, that, that caught his eye so when the move obviously became available this summer with his game time at Stoke looking a bit limited um, it, it made the perfect sense and to be honest uh, in pre-season and in the early games of the so far, so far this year, he's looked to be one of Mark Kennedy's main sort of pillar stones. Um, that would have been no due to injury. He's been playing uh, on the left side of a um, a midfield three on that left hand number eight role. Um, he's been like in and out the side, um, which is unfortunate for him. Uh, he started the game ill, which sort of caused him to to go down in the in the pecking order as well. I don't think Kennedy liked his dishonesty. But for the most part, I mean, he's a very tidy footballer. He can pass the ball around well. Uh, I feel like his best position would be that of a uh, number number 10. Um, however, we're, we're, very, we're very stacked in that area with the likes of Teddy Bishop. So, um, But whenever Tashan has been able to get forward, he's been able to create um, opportunities. Um, so in the last sort of five games from memory, he got an assist uh, against Fleetwood. He also um, played really well at, at Bristol Rovers. So um, Tashan's been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, obviously, we have some very good players in this position, meaning there's competition, which has been why he's been so in and out of the, the starting eleven so far this year. But relatively impressed. Obviously, it's only early days for him. Um, definitely a player that should we be able to keep him injury free that I can see affecting um where we come in the in the league table this year. A player that maybe we can take on a, a permanent contract next year, depending on his situation at Stoke. So relatively happy with Tashan. I think he's uh like I said, a very tidy player. Um definitely has a, a, a bit of a future ahead of him, uh if he can sort his attacking player, but um, in terms of you know adding goals and assists, but from box to box, been been pretty impressed. Um, a very good pressure of the football, also uh, likes to, to go and press the hell out of opposition. So, yeah, that's Tashan in a nutshell for Lincoln. Uh, thank you for giving us to him for the year, and uh, hopefully we can uh, come to some sort of arrangement in the summer, if uh, if at all. Cheers for that, Jake. So yeah. Quite interesting there, isn't it? Um, on how Tashan sort of getting on. I mean, it's quite similar to how his spell at Stoke has gone, Andy. Yeah, it does. He he was he's a good player by all means. Obviously, I believe in his debut game he came off the bench against Holland, grabbed a goal. But now nah, he likes to mope about a bit 
and it might be just that he's an experienced first team football, but you know, once he gets the game time and he learns how adult football works, he'll be a race. Yeah, so like I say, just rounding up the news as well now, you've got a couple of retirements. So John Obi McCall, who had you know, a season with the Potters, didn't get to play in front of fans because it was the COVID season, so no one actually ever saw him play live. But you know, came in, did a job that was needed. Um, he's retired. Obviously, he was a fantastic footballer in his day. Um, and then, obviously, the other time in the big one is Charlie Adams retired. So 156 appearances for Stoke which is twice as many as anyone else in his career. He scored 19 goals. It's funny how, like, you think of Charlie Adam at Rangers and at Liverpool, at Blackpool, and it's actually at Stoke where he would have stayed far longer at Stoke than at any other club in his career, which is, like I say, strange to think. But, yeah, I mean, what's what's your top Charlie Adam memory? Well, I've, you've got a worst and you've got a best. I think the joint worst for both of us would be the penalty against Brighton. And we don't want to speak of what happened after that. <laughs> well, you know, just it started a massive spiral and obviously was the downfall of our Premier League lifespan. But the best memory has got to be him for about 65 yards out, having a shot at audacious distance at Stamford Bridge with Thibaut Courtois off his line and it just goes over his head. And it's like, you know what, fair play, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, you see, that's good. But for me, it was the uh, the goal against Man United that won it. I mean, obviously, you know, scoring as far as I would see against Chelsea was fantastic. But I think it was just because it was the winner against Man United that makes it stand out for me. <laughs> no, he never scored a tapping. Had a good free kick on him. Normally he had a good penalty on him. Yeah, he didn't score tappings, did he? Um, yeah, like it's a good extravagant shot, but one for tappings. Especially, uh, maybe that's why he didn't get to that penalty rebound against Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will say is, obviously, he was he was never a, like a slim, agile footballer, was he? But it didn't matter. He had the intelligence and he, he was a good player for us. I think it's uh, time we introduced our guest. So, yes, we promised you a third voice. Um, obviously, Michael, we as we've said, is, is, you know, Mike's not very well. Um, so, yeah, get again, get well soon, Mike. Um, but, yes, we, we do have a replacement this week. Third voice, and it is none other than friend of the pod, Stoke City women's first team coach, Lou Roberts. So... Good evening, Lou. I'm great, thanks, guys. How are you? Yeah, I hear you've had a busy night. Yeah, we've um, we've done a, a midweek friendly um, with a, a university team on that East Corridor. We utilise them quite well. We have some scholars from them as well. So we've got good relationships. We've been over there tonight. And it's just like a really good opportunity for us to take a look at a couple of players that are either returning from injury or haven't had a lot of minutes or that are just kind of pushing for that first team spot. So it's a nice night for us really to take a look without any pressure um, behind closed doors. Players can express themselves and we can have a good look at the squad. Okay. Did you win? They won 5-4. I always say these kind of fixtures, though, it's probably not about the results, it's more about the performance. Um, 
But if we hadn't have won, I don't think I'd have been so happy. So I'll take a 5-4 win. Well, so, it, and, I, and from what I gather, it was quite a traumatic trip home. Absolutely. Um, and especially roadworks, diversions. Um, it's easier to resonate with a win on the way home than dwell on a loss, I promise you. So, I mean, you, you've sort of like touched on recruitment before there, didn't you, about, you know, um, obviously uh, the uh, trends and that. So, you... yeah, we've got a good group. Um, we ended last season and we were happy with the group we got, but we knew we needed to add a little bit of depth and strength um, to the group that we got. So we brought two or three characters in that we knew um, that were proven at this level and would bring something different or extra to the squad. Um, they've been with us now for three to four months, settling in well. Just starting to see the best of some of those players. So Cara Jones got a hat-trick at the weekend. So she's just starting to find a fit and I'm sure we'll see more from her as the season goes on. So yeah, really happy with the summer recruitment. Um, and hopefully as the season progresses, we'll probably see a little bit more of those and they'll start to be a little bit more influential and, and kind of settle into our system and style of play. I mean, I must say, like, you're clocking up some miles, aren't you? I mean, there's... I, mean, I think you've played six league, six games this season and you've only had two at home. And I think the next two games are away as well. I mean, you, you're putting some miles in the, in the coach there, aren't you? <laughs> Getting some mileage on that coach. <laughs> no, yeah, Stanton's are doing well out of us at the minute. Um, we've got plenty of miles on the road. Do we prefer playing home or away? I probably haven't got a preference. The girls would probably say they prefer being at home. Um, I suppose the advantage to being loaded so... So much of the way fixtures at the start of the season is that we've got a little spell that's coming up during October where we've got four on the bounce at home, which is nice. Um, nice to see that familiar faces get back to home ground, um, to what we know, and hopefully put a bit of a run together as well. I think it's always nice when you're settled at home just to get a bit of a run together. It's a great window for us to, to clock up some points. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like I say, you've got a hat-trick of wins recently. Um, after sort of back-to-back defeats to Wolves and Burnley, who I believe are joint top of the league as it stands. I mean, that's a very positive reaction. I mean, is it the aim to sort of chase down those pair now at the top? Yeah, so they at top of the league come May. Um, they'll be in and around. Um, so we want to put ourselves within that cluster, but we also understand how challenging that's going to be as well. So although those back-to-back losses were disappointing, there's plenty of lessons learned. Um, and I'd like to think on those return fixtures, we can kind of balance the books a little bit. Absolutely. So I think we come out of pre-season, we had such a strong season and we played some of the best teams um, in the Southern comparison to us. And we had really good results and performances. So as we, we won the first game of the season, which was great. Um, and then all of a sudden, we kind of came back to earth with a bit of a bang and a little bit of a shock to the system. We hadn't lost particularly back-to-back for a while. So there's a lot of lessons to, to learn. But like you say, I always say to the players that we're going to lose games, we're going to have spells in games where we aren't dominant and and that, that will happen, that's football, but it's how we react to those scenarios that really will define us. So the fact we've just come away from two really disappointing losses and then got back-to-back league wins and then gone through to the next round of the Cups, really pleasing. The, the group reacted really well, which is, the, I suppose, the positive in that scenario, really. So this time last year, um, we would have probably gone on a run of losses um, that was probably where we were at last season. And we spent a lot of time in the summer creating a culture 
um, that was difficult at times because we were in a relegation battle last season. That, that's difficult. It's challenging. It asks a lot of staff and players, and you have to be a little bit soul searching at, at times, and you question yourself. And I'm sure the players at times question themselves. But I think from those experiences, what we've learned is that we needed to create a culture and environment where we got that little bit of resilience and we got that bounce back ability where actually one performance or two performances aren't going to define us moving forward. So the fact the players have kind of embraced that and we've started to to respond better and react better is really positive in comparison to the 12 months earlier where that probably would have led to a really poor run for us. Yeah, I mean, you obviously got filed this Sunday. I mean, as a Stokey, anywhere that close to Blackpool's like a second home, isn't it? <laughs> um, but have you got any news for us to report? So, really good. Well, in terms of the squad, everybody's fit and available. Um, we've got one long-term injury that's that's making... I had some minutes tonight, so Ali All's back with the squad and she's quite a big player for us in terms of the squad. So, she'll, she'll be there or thereabouts over the next few games. That's probably the only change, really, is that Al's back on the grass and she's training um, full contact and she's had some competitive minutes, which is pleasing. But we are, I suppose, looking into this weekend, Files will have quality. Um, they've always been competitive at this level and they're kind of proven so we know the challenge that they'll pose but I'd still like to think that coming off the, the back of those three wins and the, the form that we're in that we've got more than enough quality to overcome them Yeah, I'm sure and obviously, you know other than bringing the three points back with you on Sunday you know, are you going to make sure you bring us some rock back? <laughs> yeah, a jar of humbugs and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yes, so, Watford. I mean, who the hell decided that midday Sunday was a good time to kick off a football match? I mean, yes, we do take the money off Sky and they can tell us when to play, but really? I mean, obviously, I mean, I think I have to leave home at 10 o'clock for a home game. I mean, I think, like, Lou, your, your games generally are, like, two o'clock, aren't they? Yeah, so we're two o'clock kick-off, um, unless there's something really unorthodox happening. But as you will, we're two o'clock kick-off. So not sure where you guys gained it, a midday kick-off, though, on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Andy, what, what time will you be leaving the house? Well, I always get there when the players get there, so I'll be leaving at least a good two hours before, like you. But um, there's there's going to be some people who are recovering from the night before who just go, nah, I'm not bothering this time. <laughs> uh, far, yeah, it's far too early, isn't it? But uh, we've got, I've got to start off. Do you want to go first or shall I go first? I'll let you go first. No problem. 
Okay, so there's been 39 meetings between the two clubs. Both teams have won 16. There's been seven draws. Uh, the first meeting was in 1967, so quite late really. It was a 2-0 Stoke win in the League Cup. The first league meeting wasn't until November 1982, so Watford quite quite late to the party there, aren't they? Getting in with the big boys as we were back then. Um, a 2-0 win in January 2017 is our only home win versus Watford since 2004. I've had two draws and four defeats in that time, so we haven't got a great home record against them in recent times. Uh, quite strangely though, we have won four of the last five at Watford. Baker and Connor Taylor are both on four yellow cards, so one away from a one-match ban. Uh, whilst Lewis Baker, with his four goals, is the only player from either side to score over two goals this season. Uh, Stoke have five points from four home games, helped by the two 90-plus minute equalisers, uh, whilst Watford have four draws and a defeat from five away games which they've scored just three times. And one last quick little stat for you is that both sides have scored 11 and conceded 11 in the league this season. But um, yeah, with mine, um, Stoke have lost their last two league games against Watford, like you mentioned. But the last time we lost three in a row was between April 2005 and January 2006. Watford have won four of their last seven league visits to Stoke, which is... um, only having two draws and one loss in that time, winning most recently in January 2021 under Zisco Munoz, who was like their seventh manager ago, would you say, Dan? <laughs> exactly. Um, no side have had more shots from corner situations in the Championship this season than Stoke, who have 31, although have only scored from one of those shots, which was a Ben Wilmot goal versus Reading, which got his season underway. He's scored two or three since then, hasn't he? So, you know. I'm I'm liking Ben Wilmot at the moment. Obviously, playing against his former side this time. Watford have won just three of their opening ten championship matches this season, which includes five draws and two losses. Their fewest at this stage in the championship campaign since 2011-2012 under Sean Dyche, going on to finish eleventh that season. And finally, Stoke boss Alex Neil lost both his championship meetings with Watford in 2020-2021 as Preston Preston manager, last beating the Hornets as a Norwich boss in May 2016 in the Premier League, which was a 4-2 home win. Another crazy fact with it is obviously Rob Edwards, who was managing them, is their sh- one of the shortest reigns they've ever had, which was 11 games. You know, <laughs> the, the, what's the point in hiring him, saying they're going to change the philosophy of the club and then sack him after 11 games? So, yeah, Slavon Bilic, yet another new West, uh, Watford manager. So I say West Ham then. <laughs> I know where West Ham is. Because I saw something the other day. 17 managers in 10 years Watford have had, I believe. And West Ham have only had 18 in their history. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, like, moving on to the game itself, we seem to be going, actually, we went back to, like, the 3-5-2-5-3-2, three, the three, five, five, three, whatever you want to call it. The three centre-halves, basically. I mean, so, Lou, as a coach, you know, what's the manager's aim? What does he aim to get from this formation? Is it, like, more stability at the back with the extra defence? Or, you know, why would a manager choose this formation? Yeah, I think there's there's multiple advantages yeah. to it. I think one of them is, obviously, you, you get that central overload, particularly if your wing-back's tuck in to, to create that five if if that's what he's looking to create. Um, I think the width is a big thing. I think timing probably 
influenced Michael O'Neill's decision during his time at, at certain points because of his strengths in, in wide areas. So you can look to get around early and create overloads in those high wide areas. Um, in comparison to maybe like a four-three-three, that although it, it's dynamic and you, you can kind of it's versatile in some respects, um, it can sometimes be quite narrow. Um, so I think I think we might see Alex Neil shift between the two as well. Um, I'm not sure if he'll just stick with the three-five-two. I think he's a kind of kind of coach that is brave enough and confident enough to say, actually, I'm going to change things this week, and he's not afraid of implementing. I think that's something. I've really picked up from him is that he's not afraid of making decisions and standing by him and um, and that kind of bravery, I think, with our fan base as well and, and what we've kind of been through over the last maybe four or five seasons is probably really needed now. Somebody that's brave and confident, he backs himself. Um, and I think hopefully if he kind of approaches the football club in that respect, the players will, will kind of embrace that and take some of that on board and we might see a little bit of bravery and some standout performances on the pitch, which I think at times we've probably missed. Um, we've probably had performances where we thought players maybe have hid or perhaps haven't performed to the strengths. I know Michael O'Neill kept referring back to we need to give players an opportunity and we need to support them and get behind them. And I do believe in that. I do think that as a fan base, we do need to support a team, but ultimately as well, they have to be brave enough and bold enough to go out and, and perform even under pressure. Um, so hopefully kind of, that versatility in Alex Neal and that determination and that real bravery or kind of showing the, the style and the system that he plays and that might rub off on the players too, hopefully. Okay, yeah. I mean, so like, what attributes are you looking for? Like, obviously, I know you, you sort of like pace and energy in the wing-backs. I mean, I was saying just a few weeks ago, obviously, like Jacob Brown, for me, would be like a great wing-back. Um you know, or at least he's he's a good option to to put there. You know, in needs. I think we were we were struggling. We've got injuries to people, um, and we were struggling to find someone to play there. And I sort of suggested that. I mean, is he the type of player you'd play at wing back? So yeah, I think Jacob Brown yeah. is definitely a contender. He's got an engine, and I think something we probably all admire in him is that his his work ethic is fantastic, which is is crucial out there. But I think you also need somebody that's quite offensive in terms of the style of play yeah. so someone really attack minded if you don't utilize the width that that 352 creates then you're probably not making the most of that system i suppose the idea is can we get around them or stretch them with the width and and the height in the team to be able to create pockets but get around them so jacob would definitely be a, a contender for there yeah and i mean obviously behind them you've, you've got joe basic I mean, he made three clean sheets in a row with the under-21s. Obviously, he was in goal for the 2-0 win over Italy. Uh, but he's then pulled out of the second game v Germany and he's returned to Stoke. So, you know, there's been nothing to say why. We don't know. He could be... Is he injured? You know, if he is, is Jack Bonham still injured? I mean, that could mean it's time for, you know, Frankie Fielding to, to step up and make his long-awaited Stoke debut. You know. I never thought we'd see the day, mate. Yeah, I would have thought if there was any concern over Bursic, I think that's the first thing that, we, well, I think Alex Neal would already be out there and be pursuing somebody. So I'm inclined to think it's probably not an injury. And I think, obviously, like on that sort of note, me and Andy were talking about this before we recorded, weren't we, Andy? And 
and we went through and looked at sort of Premier League teams, third choice goalkeepers. And uh, we've got some, we've got a list of players here. Uh, so let's have a look. Yeah, Andy, fire away, mate. Who did we get on the list? We got Everson from Aston Villa. Uh, here's a name which everyone knows Scott Carson from Man City. What a name. <laughs> um, Tom Heaton, yet again, another experienced keeper from Manchester United. Um, there is a potential return for Jack Butland from Crystal Palace because now he's we've we've seen his third or fourth choice keeper now, isn't he? So it is. There is also another potential return from an emergency goalkeeper we had last time, Andy Lonergan from Everton. <laughs> he played that one game against Tottenham, didn't he? And to be fair, he didn't play too bad in that game. Um, Bettinelli from Chelsea, who's always been around about their third or fourth choice keeper. Uh, Kelleher, yeah, Kelleher, who is obviously an Irish international. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that you know Kelleher has never let Liverpool down. I mean, if we're going to go for somebody, if we could get him in, I think he's a very good, you know, very good goalkeeper. I mean, if need be, obviously, if it is an emergency, if it is unfortunate that Joe and and Jack are both injured, then it'd only be until one of those was fit anyway, wouldn't it? Those were all would be permitted to have them in for. Um, but yeah, I mean, who would you would you who would you choose? I think Kelleher could be brilliant. I really do, considering he's no uh, Republic of Ireland international. Why not? So, what about who team for Jack Butland then? I mean, you know, could you see him? Do you think he would want to come back? Is he? You know, how would the fans would how would the fans react to that? Do you think? Obviously, as things kind of come to an end at Stoke, there's so much controversy that kind of surrounded him. Is he staying? Is he going? Yeah. Does he want to stay? Does he want to go? Um, I think Jack are probably off the table, but not because of the fans. I think the, the fans would welcome him back. Um, I'm not too keen. At, I'm not sure how keen he would be about that kind of return um, and how he probably feels towards the, the club and stuff, but... I just feel like that that kind of period when he was there was all that uncertainty around him was was probably really difficult for Jack. So he probably won't come and relive it again. Yeah, I mean, obviously the wing backs from Holway Brown and time, and obviously we're hoping timing's fit, aren't we, for the for the weekend? He's obviously he didn't play the QPR game. Hopefully that was just the manager didn't want to rush him back after been out for so long and then you know two games in four days uh, but to me obviously if he's playing there uh, if he's playing there we've got these centre backs I mean to me would we would you put Wilmot I mean well Ben Wilmot's been playing badly but would you put him back in the centre halves I mean I think you know you've got Saw, Pedro, Keenan Davies sort of front for them to me I think Ben Wilmot's you know, we need to play him in defence and then it's stop there, you know, that's where he's going to be able to stop their three attackers and then we'll sort of, you know, think about the right wing-back position afterwards. Oh yeah, for sure. He's, he's got to play that centre-back. Yeah, I, I think Ben looks far more comfortable um, as a centre-back and we took him probably nice as part of that three. And I agree, I think we were just about to touch on it, I think he's probably playing some of his best football for us at the minute. He's yeah. looking really strong, so... I'd I'd keep him in that three, um, and I'd probably go with 
with your suggestion there and just say, listen, that let's tidy up their front three first and foremost, and then we can have a look at what options we've got out wide. I mean, Aidan Flint, like, he's not been perfect. He has had his moments, but I think he's been quite solid, to be honest. And I think, you know, he's doing enough to keep his place there until, at least until Suter's back fit and fire, which hopefully isn't too much longer. But, yeah, he's doing a solid enough job for me. I mean, do you like what you see with him? <laughs> he's everything we need in that back line. Yeah, and he's a big for us as well. I think like, that's really important, like, just having that nice mix of ball winners and ball players. So somebody that's going to be like a real aerial threat and kind of tidy things up. And then, like you said, having one either side just to tidy things up and also like being good on the ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, probably had a luxury in Harry Suter sure. um, because he is an all-round centre-back. He can, he's a ball winner, but he's also really comfortable on the ball. So I do like Aidan Flint. He's that, probably a, a more traditional centre-half um, where he'll go and attack the ball and win it. Um but I think we'll probably go with two ball players around him as well, just to use the system to its advantages. So yeah, so if we've got we've got Wilmot and Flint, I mean, who's going to play that left footed? I mean, Connor Taylor came back in the side, but was on the right and against QPR, and he played he played quite well. Uh, but Morgan Fox, you know, he's had his stick, but he's he seems to be doing quite solid. He's doing quite a solid job there at the minute on the left, naturally left footed as well. I mean, which one would you go for in that, as the third centre-half? I'd say Fox hasn't done anything wrong to lose his place at all. He's Obviously, a lot of fans were a bit worried about him when he played left-back, but he seems to fit that left centre-back more naturally than anything. And I feel like, with the way he's playing at the moment, he hasn't got any reason to not be in the team. Yeah. I'd agree with that too. And I think having that, that natural left footed player playing left of the three, there's so many advantages to that. It's so difficult for a, a right, a naturally right footed player to kind of play in that left hand side of the three um, and to play out through them. Where obviously you're asking them to play on their weaker side. So you're going to lose quality and you're probably a bit of self doubt there and a little bit of a confidence drop. So I, I I agree. I don't think Morgan's done anything wrong, really, to lose his shirt. So I think I'd go with Morgan to the left of the three. Yeah, I mean, obviously, talking of international injuries, I mean, obviously, we don't know if Joe Bursic has picked up one. But what we do know is Jordan Thompson, unfortunately, he's obviously, he come out with concussion and he's for Northern Ireland last night. So the, the question was going to be, is Thompson keeping his place or is Josh Loren who sort of made his return to the squad and, and came on as a sub against QPR, does he come back in the team or is Thompson hold his place? Obviously, that question is irrelevant now because uh, Thompson's, due to the concussion protocols, unable to take you know take to the pitch, whatever. So it's Baker and Loren for me. I mean, any has anyone got any objections to Josh Loren coming back in? I've been really impressed with Thompson under Alex Neal. I think he, the last few weeks he's really kind of um, got to grips with his game, really. So it looks like he's found his feet a little bit um, and he's put his name into contention. So I think he's probably just done enough, but I'm just pleased that he seems to have found like a really, a, a better like, raid of form as well. Because I really liked him when he first came to the club and I felt like he just, whether he fell out of favour, whether he lost confidence or whether the way that Michael O'Neill asked him to play didn't suit him, I'm, I'm unsure, but I just felt like he, he really ran out of that form. Um, and he seems to have found that a little bit under Alex Neal. So I'm really pleased with Thompson. I'd like to see him to get a run of games, really. Um, but obviously, Loren then offers something a little bit different. 
Um, and with Thompson being out, he, he fits in there really nicely. So I don't think we lose anything with Thompson dropping out. But I think I'd like to see Thompson just to play two or three more games and see if we could get a bit like a bit more out of him as well. I remember the Blackpool game. I thought they really like the for team for a pair who just got together, Baker and Loren, They were they paired up really well. They were snapping it. They were supporting each other, hunting together in like a pair, and. And yeah, for me, I think again, especially against Watford, we're going to need to have a good, you know, solid pressure on the ball in the midfield. So, see, they're moving forward. I mean, Gale and Delap for me is a partnership. I mean, I, I don't want to break that up. I know neither of them actually scored yet, but they just seem to be producing something together. I mean, would you say? I mean, obviously, we've got Tyrese Campbell, right? Phillips, they're going to be on the bench. Is it just unfortunate for them? I mean, like Tyrese and that, is he just got to wait for his chance? Yeah, I don't think he'll be happy about it. Um, but I think I would definitely towards um, Galen Delap. I like how Delap puts himself about. He's always busy. So out of possession, he's not frightened of putting himself about on the ball. He's busy. And I'm, I'm pretty certain if, if Dwight Gale gets a goal, I think the floodgates will open. I think he'll, he'll go on a real run and he'll start to flourish. And probably we'll see Delap follow suit then. And they'll probably strike up a real nice partnership. I think with Campbell... Um, I think he's sometimes divides fans. I think we've got some fans that are really loyal to him and, and see the good in him. And then I think we've got some fans that are saying that we like him, he's local, um, but you've got to turn it on now. Um, you're, you're back, you're fit. So when you get your chance, you've got to take it. I don't think he's going to get any favours off Alex Neal either. Um, he doesn't strike me as the kind of coach that's going to begin be giving anyone any favours. So if he is going to earn a shirt in that, that front pairing, I think he's going to have to earn it. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, when you look at the strikers we have got, I mean, you've got Gale, Delap, Campbell, Rat Phillips, Brown. Obviously, you've got different, so you've got five very different strikers. To me, I mean, I don't think there's many teams in the league who wouldn't, who would, you know, would turn the nose up at having them as five strikers. But it's like the five different ones, and I think that's good because obviously, if it isn't working with Gale and Delap, if they aren't, their game isn't, you know, working out. You can bring Campbell on for his pace, or you know, Wright Phillips for his trickery, and or Brown. You know, obviously not the male Brown's injured, but when he is there, it's he obviously you've got his energy and his work rate and his pressure. So you have got sort of horses for courses. Yeah, I think there's there's a real that mixed there's a mix of qualities in there, um, which is nice to have. I think something. Every Stoke fan would probably like to see as he progresses. Somebody really become prolific in front of goal. Um, and if it's not just one player, then two or three perhaps getting into double figures for the season or close to. I think that's something definitely I've missed as a fan is is having somebody in that front one, three or two, whatever it looks like. That's that when he gets on the ball, you just you don't just feel excited because he's a good player, but you like he's a real goal scorer. Um so I think with those five, like you say, there's no reason we shouldn't be scoring goals. That's something I'd like to see as, as a fan. I would really like to see us just be a little bit more clinical in front of goal. And whether that means them goals come from the lap and, and Dwight Gale in a partnership and we've got Jacob and Wright Phillips adding to the tallies, I'm comfortable with that. But I think with those five, we have to score goals and we have to create chances and we have to start scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, the other one, I suppose, is like Nick Powell. I mean, he's played a few substitute appearances, hasn't he? 
he's fitter. And for me, Will Smallbone's sort of blown a bit hot and cold. I mean, which does Smallbone keep his place for you, or, or is Powell coming in? It's got to be. He's, the creativity he's bought when he's come off the bench throughout his recovery, he, yeah, you might only get five or six games out of him before he picks up another knock, but those five or six games could be crucial. You never know if he doesn't pick up a knock. He's a, he is a key man to our team. I wouldn't be surprised if Nick was in the starting eleven on on Sunday. I really wouldn't, um, and I don't think Alex Neil will give any indication to that either. But I'm surprised. <laughs> um, I think that's one of those that we see on Sunday when the team sheet comes out and Nick starts. But I think the difference for me with with Powell is he is creative. He's always ever present in the game as well. Like he's he's always hungry to get on the ball. He's quite brave, but he scored goals. Um, and I think having goals from midfield, particularly when we hadn't really got strikers scoring goals, was really important. And if we could get that that combination of strikers scoring as well as midfield midfielders contributing in Baker, Powell, whoever that is, we could start to really get a real runner runner wins together and get some points tallied up. <laughs> I mean, you're saying that about him starting. I can I can sort of imagine. You know the the the, the, it, the team sheet just landing and then being there because there has been a bit of a precedent for that lately, hasn't there? I mean, Alex Neil likes to spring these surprises on us. With Alex Neil, where he keeps his cards really close to his chest, he doesn't let a lot go at all. Um, if that's just the kind of guy he is, or if that's like that's intentional, really. I'll add to that: time and against Hull, no one knew it was going to be back till the team sheet was put out. <laughs> I mean, Lou, I mean, you could answer this one for us. So, like, how the team sheet itself, I take it, it just comes down as like a list of names, does it? So there's knowing, like, the team sheet itself will not give any kind of formation away or where players are playing. It is literally just a list. I mean, how how sort of cloak and dagger is that? Yeah, just a list. You, you tend to jumble them so there's no... Um... So there's no kind of indicators of what system you're setting up or who's playing where, really. So we normally mix them up so that it's a real mixed bag, so you can't really pick anything out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've sort of talked through our side there. I mean, let's let's hear from Mike uh, from Watford Podcast and from Graham McGarry, giving us his prediction ahead of Sunday's game. Hello, my Stoke City supporting friends. It's Mike from the Watford podcast from the Rookery End here. And if I sound a little bit tired and a little bit deflated, a little bit down, well, I'll level with you. It's because I am. Watford have sacked their manager again this week. On Monday, the news came out that Rob Edwards had lost his job after just, I think it's just 10 league games in charge. And yes, I can hear what you're saying. Well, what did you expect? It's Watford. It's what you do. Uh, and it's, you're, of course, right to to a degree, but this time was supposed to be different. Over the summer, after two really abject relegations in three years from the, the Premier League, we were promised um, that Gino Pozzo had learnt from his mistakes and he was willing to uh, to change his ways, really, to, to look for a new younger manager, a more progressive manager, and then to stick with him through hell and high water, was the quote we got from uh, the club. So we were excited really about Watford actually building something for a change, not chopping and uh, and changing at the first sign of things not going exactly to plan. Um, so we were hopeful, or at least I was hopeful, 
that Rob Edwards was still going to be given a decent crack of the whip. Personally, I'd have been happy to see Watford finish out of the playoffs, but with the same manager, because I think that would have, it may sound bizarre, but that would have represented progress for us. It would have represented a change of approach, a change in in style and culture, uh, a change in the desire uh, of how they want to run the football club. And it just hasn't come to pass Let's be honest. Watford haven't played well at, at all so far this season. Yes, they're only one point out of the uh, out of the playoffs, and yes, we're still hopeful that they will be um, challenging at the top of the championship. But they haven't been playing well, and ultimately, Gino Pozzo, the owner, has simply panicked, got rid of Rob Edwards, and brought someone else in uh, because he thinks that is the best way to get Watford promoted out of the out of the Premier League. And and, and as a Watford supporter, I'm just absolutely exhausted by it I I want stability I want someone to be given the chance uh, to build something I want us to learn from our mistakes but mistakes that are made over a long period not you can't learn anything from what you've got wrong from a managerial appointment in just 10 days in 10 games it's not almost said 10 days there it won't be long before we sack a manager after 10 days let alone 10 games so yeah and yeah as you can tell I'm frustrated I'm rambling um, and But it's been the talk of Watford supporters this week, with all due respect to Stoke, and I think this may well play into your hands. I don't think there's been a fixture that's been spoken about less in the week leading up to it. Not because Watford aren't looking forward to playing Stoke, not because we're not looking forward to the game, of course we are. But because the most important thing for us as Watford supporters is how the club is run at the moment. And we're looking long term, we're looking at the legacy of the football club, we're looking at the stability of the football club, we're looking at the reputation of it. And it kind of, we haven't really thought about what Slavin Bilic is going to bring to the club yet because we're so, I don't know, just dispirited about what's happened in terms of the, the managerial merry-go-round. Um, so, look, it's it's a really, really tough game for, for Watford. Away at Stoke, 12 o'clock on a Sunday, peculiar kickoff time. Half the squad coming back after international break. Uh, we don't know who's fit, we don't know who's injured. Most of them will have only have met Slavin Bilic fleetingly one would assume by the time they get to to kick off on on Sunday Slavin Bilic won't have had much time with the full squad at all to prepare them um, and to uh, and to sort of try and instill in them how he wants to play against Stoke so a really really difficult fixture for Watford um, and as a supporter I cannot it begin to predict uh, what which Watford will turn up. Yes, we've got great players. Ismail Assar back from um, international duty with, with Senegal, which seems to be when he's happiest, so hopefully he'll come back uh, firing on all, all cylinders. Jao Pedro's just signed a, a new long-term contract. He's, he's a decent player. I'd be interested to hear from you guys what you think of, of Jao after the match. So th- there, there are good players, uh, and on their day, Watford will be a match for absolutely anyone in, in the Championship, and, and rightly so. But... Quite frankly, what what's going to happen on Sunday, it, it, it's anyone's guess. I can't in good conscience give you a, a good prediction. That said, I'm looking forward to finally watching some football um, so we can uh, take our minds off uh, take our minds off the, the nonsense that's going on off the pitch at, uh, at Watford. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the game. Speak to you soon. Hello there, you Potters predictors. We're back again with live football coming up over the weekend. Stoke City resume after the international break and having worked with Alex Neal for the last 14 days, he'll be hoping now that he can continue winning ways and keep the club going in the right direction. Of course, the next port of call is a home game on Sunday when Watford are the visitors who surprisingly sacked their manager earlier this week. 
having not reached even the 10-game mark, that they decided Rob Edwards out and Slavin Bilic, a very experienced manager at the highest level, is the man to come in and hopefully take Watford forward themselves. They're a side who've dropped off the pack. They would have wanted to been right in contention early doors, but it hasn't happened. So can Stoke take advantage of a managerial upheaval? I think they can, you know. Hard game, Watford got good players, but Stoke will be ready for the action. Stoke City 2, Watford 1. Um, thank you very much for that. I mean, like I say, it's just difficult. I mean, how can a team with like Saw, Pedro, Davies up front, Chowdhury midfield, Batman in goal, amongst others, how can it be struggling to challenge at the, the top in this league? Mate, you, you really don't know. It sounds like us when we first came down, doesn't it? How was our team struggling so much? But it's the way the championship goes. You, you quite literally can't predict anything. Yeah, na- names mean nothing in the championship, do they? Not very forgiving the championship. Um, I don't think you. Well, we just refer back to when we first come to grips with the championship and the invested in players and and you look at the players that have come and gone in in that time since we've been in the championship. I don't think it's enough to just chuck money at it as well. I think it takes a certain kind of coach as well to to understand what's needed. There's like managers and coaches that are quite prolific at being successful at getting promoted out of the championship and I think it probably takes a certain kind of coach that understands what it takes but I think anybody whether you're a Watford fan or whether you're internal they're they're underachieving massively this season I think they they would have had probably high expectations maybe Um, and probably going through the feelings we went through a few seasons ago with a real disappointment and what's coming next and in their case it's probably another manager Um, so yeah I think There'll be a real feel of disappointment there. Hopefully, they can kind of capitalise on that as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I suppose the only thing left to do is a prediction. So, I'll give you mine. I think that we've got enough of this game. I think we'll seek it 2-1. And I'm going to say Gail and Alap are opening their Stoke accounts on Sunday. Both of them. They, they, that's where your goals are coming from. You know what, Daniel? You've read my mind. You, you've you've stolen my prediction. <laughs> goal scorers and everything. Goal scorers and everything. Oh, well. They need to get a goal sometime soon, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> what, what about you, Lou? What are you, what are you thinking? So, I, I was going to go 2-1 as well, but I was going to go Baker and Dwight Gale. Um, I don't think Dwight Gale can go many more games or have many more goals ruled offside. <laughs> so, I'm going to definitely have a, a punt on Gale. But I just fancy Baker. I just think in front of goal at the minute, he's, he's got an eye for goal and he's he's clearly quite confident. He's settled. I fancy him for a goal on Sunday. Um, neither team's probably conceded or scored a lot of goals. So I, can't, I can see it being quite a, a cagey close affair, but I think we've got enough. Yeah, I, I dread to think what's going to happen to the next linesman who puts his flag up for offside. <laughs> I don't know where that flag's going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight Gale will go insane, won't he? I think I think he's he's at the point of <laughs> you know can't happen again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's all positive. That's what we like. Positive. I think we've got a tough three games coming up, aren't we? Watford, Burnley, Sheffield United. Out of the three, I definitely think this is the most winnable one of the three. And I think if we do get a good result, it sets us up nicely for those two over the next seven days as well. So, yeah, that pretty much wraps up Watford. 
So now, end of the pod, we usually would have a quiz. Uh, But this week, it's a bit of a different quiz. Now, you have no idea about this, do you, Lou, what we're going to do here? Absolutely no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Are you feeling a bit nervous? Have you got a bit of a a sweat on here wondering what the hell they'll be doing to me? No, because I trust you. (laughs) (laughs) Well... We've been in touch with your captain, Meg Bowyer. Right. She has sent through some questions about you. Right. This week's quiz is all about you. So she's got she sent some some questions through. She's gonna ask you some questions now, and you can tell see if you get the same answer as she got. Let's go for it. This could be interesting. (laughs) So Andy, have you got question number one? I do. Are we ready? Let's go for it. Oh yeah, sorry. I've had a um, oh, That was just the one. Oh, for down. God's sake. That was just here saying You need to tell me which one this is, Daniel. The next one down. Uh, yeah, I got it. Right, <laughs> we'll go from here. Let me just write down the timestamp. Very professional. Very professional, Neil. Very professional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never normally this professional, but you know. <laughs> Question number one. How many red cards have you had playing for Stoke? <laughs> so just the one. Um, it was when I'd very first signed for Stoke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had one red card. But I've never had any as a coach or a manager, so that I take quite a bit of pride in that one. That, although I'm <laughs> be- up as a player, um, I haven't <laughs> as a coach or a manager to date. So you behave yourself on the touchline, do you? Yeah, um, probably learned a lot of lessons from being a player, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and it gets frowned upon in the club. So, yeah, I think if I come back with a red card, someone would have something to say. Well, let's see what, what did Meg say as an as a answer, Andy. Correct answer is zero, I think. <laughs> um, at least I can't remember. You ever getting a red card, even though there's quite a few red card worthy tackles that went in. Um, but no, correct answer, zero. She's been quite forgiving there. <laughs> She's been quite forgiving. Uh, so question number two. Question number two. What did you famously dress up as on a team night out in fancy dress? <laughs> a tally tubby, so I dressed up. <laughs> So I dressed up on team night out as Dipsy. Um, so, yeah, I went to the Teletubby. <laughs> did you have any fellow Teletubbies with you? Yeah, so there was two of us that did it at the time. We ideally wanted four, obviously, but there was only me and, and a girl that played for at the time called, actually, Tas Tezgal, who was Emre's cousin. Um, oh, yeah. So we um, we dressed up as Teletubbies. Yeah, <laughs> interesting <laughs> night. <laughs> So is that the same as uh, is that the same as what Meg's got? Correct answer is a Teletubby. Hey. <laughs> oh gosh. Question number three. Question number three. What would you say one of your main roles was off the pitch while you were a player? Oh, that's a really interesting question, actually. <laughs> um, so I think. Probably a leader, um, but I know what she's going to say. I would say I was a leader because I would like to have been seen as a leader. 
she's going to call me something like so, social secretary or something along <laughs> them lines. I, so you I were in charge of getting night the night out. out. Yeah, she was in the night out. You were booking the clubs, were you? The... Yeah, she's <laughs> chucked me right under the buzz here. <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Correct answer is definitely social sec or <laughs> team night out organiser, <laughs> organiser, anything along those lines. You got both of them to be fair. Well, let's move on to the next one. Question number four. Did you pick up more injuries on the pitch or off the pitch? <laughs> you know what? I think it's pretty equal. I've had that. So on the pitch, I've had quite a few injuries, um, but I've got a real clumsy streak in me. So I'm the kind of person that would like slip over, like slipped over once and dislocated my arm. Like, I'm really clumsy. So I'm going to say, I think Meg will say I picked up more off the pitch, um, but I think it was pretty equal. Correct answer is definitely off the pitch. <laughs> oh, this is brilliant, this. <laughs> Question number five, what three attributes would you say that you brought to the team in a non-technical way? Well, that is interesting. Um, again, because there's, there's three things I'd probably say I thought I brought or I wanted to, but what did I actually bring? <laughs> um, I think I bought, I'd go with hardworking, um, disciplined and passionate. answers without a doubt would be passion and aggression and desire something which we used to pride ourselves on but you kind of headed that um and led that for the rest of the team to follow by example in my opinion i'll take that's that nice. yeah i'll yeah, take that nice. <laughs> yeah, she's uh yeah she's so say so you you were the leader of the pack then so does that mean that when there was a scrap going on that you were the you were jumping in the, right at the front saying, Come on girls, let's go? <laughs> Officially no. <laughs> Unofficially. There was a few, few cagey moments. I think I was always I was probably the instigator in some regards because I played quite aggressive. Um and then if that ever overspilled, I could kind of turn a blind eye to that and be like, I'd be okay, but some of the girls have had a few heated moments. Um but yeah, probably instigated a lot of um, a lot of the chaos we had mid game, just in just by my nature. I think a kind of person when I played, I wore my heart on my sleeve, um, and I wasn't very good at kind of curbing or hiding emotion either. So if I was upset, you kind of knew about it. Was there any was there any Nick Powell's on the team? You know, Nick, he just winds the opposition up. Just doesn't he? Just goes around winding people up. Was there anyone like that that you could just start a fight with someone then just like sneak away into the background and walk off like nothing doing me <laughs> i'm just we haven't got anybody like that right now um i'm just trying we we've had a player that's recently retired um her name's nick hudson nick did 15 years at the club senior level 19 in total so she's like stoked through and through she is the biggest wind-up merchant i've played with um <laughs> she is a real good character in the changing room. She's got a really good, that bubbly personality. But on the pitch, she is such a wind-up merchant. <laughs> and has got the ability to just walk away and laugh. Um, is she proud of it? Itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the thing is, if you take, if you do that, 
the opposition player is not thinking about the game. They're thinking about what what an, or what an idiot you are or whatever. You've taken them out of the game for whatever, in whether that's two seconds, two minutes or whatever. So it's, it's a great a great little attribute to have. Does, does she own it as well? Is she that proud of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's really smug about it. Um, she's the kind of person that could that wind you up on the training ground and then just walk away and laugh and just be like, just get over it, it's like it's done. And I go <laughs> with my head on like my hair on fire and everything up in arms and she's just she's just got that ability to be able to just like flick a switch and and not get upset about stuff. But yeah, many a times Nick's got us in trouble because she's had a bit of banter or things have overspilled a little bit and we've carried the can for her and she's walked off and she's big smile and her face happy. <laughs> Love it. Uh, let's have the next question. Question number six. What was your favourite goal you scored for Stoke City? I think I know the answer to this. Um, see if we're on the same page. And if your answer's different to mine, then you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> I, I think we'll be I think we'll we'll get this one right. I scored um, we played West Brom at the Bet365 um and I scored in the booth and end. And I think for any Stoke fan, if you score in the booth and end, particularly against in like a, a Midlands derby, that has to be the one for me. So I'm going to go West Brom in the booth and end at the Bet365. Don't get me wrong, there's been some worldies, but I I think the best goal um, was at the Bet365 against Baggies. I'm pretty sure you scored two that night, but the, uh, the one from the corner, um, the famous one, um, I would say was your best goal, in my opinion. Closely followed by um, Baggies away before you retired. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. That would have been my second <laughs> one, would be Baggies away. It's probably the best goal I've ever scored. And even when I watch it back now, I still don't know how I struck it so well. Um, so I, I can't own that the, 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 the goal against Baggies away. I can't own that because that wasn't really in my skill set. It's probably more of an accident, but... Um, she is bang on there with those two. Oh, brilliant. Have we, have we got any more, Andy? We've got one more question. Last but not least, question number seven. What would you say your favourite pair of football boots were that you wore? <laughs> she's, uh, she's stitching me up here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I am your traditional footballer. I wear black Adidas Copas. Um, and wore them. I've worn them all my career. I wear them as a coach now. But I went through this real funky spell where I wore bright orange and bright yellow Nike Tempo boots, uh, which didn't suit me at all. Um, and I got absolutely rinsed for about two or three seasons for wearing them. So, <sighs> copers all the time. But I think she might mention these really bright Tempos I used to wear. The correct answer is the famous. Yellow, Nike, <laughs> Tiempos, yellow, green, luminous. Uh, I'm not having any Copas or, or World Cups. It's definitely boots that you wore until they literally were hanging off and you had holes in. <laughs> she's bang on, she's bang on. And I did actually, for like two seasons, got absolutely rinsed in the changing rooms. Like, you know, basically, we used to say, yeah, you got, if you wear bright boots, you've got to be got to be a good player you've got a bit of flair about you and that just wasn't part of my game so I absolutely <laughs> rinsed for two seasons for wearing bright boots I'll tell you a story I bought some boots when I was playing um, a few years ago and they were 
I had some bright orange Astro ones, <laughs> and then my my grass ones were um, they were silver, with fluorescent green stripes, but fluorescent blue. But I had them personalised, so I had <laughs> so I had S L F G put on, which was Scarlet Lily and Freya Grace, which is like the names of my two daughters. Right, I've got four now, but I only had two at the time. So it said S-L-F-G. So I sat down in the changing room, put them on first time, and the captain sat next to me, he looked at me and said, why do your boots say slag? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, it's an F, not an A. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's brilliant. You must have been I some player had your initials like, on your boots. Yeah. I explained like what it was, and he was like, oh, all right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Um, now those are your seven questions. I think. Do you? Do you? Obviously, you and Meg. Do you? You know, you've been playing together for years, haven't you? You must have. Yeah. She seems to know you inside out there. Yeah. Um. So I joined Stoke in 2010. I'd been at Wolves before that. Um. And I joined Stoke in 2010, and me and Meg played together for a decade. Um. So I captained the team for the first five seasons. She did for the second, but. We always work really closely. We always, and even now as a coach, Meg's the first person I pick the phone to up in some instances. Um, I think you just build relationships with people and you just kind of click. And me and Meg just clicked from the minute to sign for Stoke, really. But, well, those weren't the only voice notes that she sent us today. There was one more. <laughs> there was one more that she sent me. Need- and I'm going to, yeah, getting Andy to play it now. Um, so just have a listen to this. I know you didn't ask me to do this bit, um, but I'm hoping that you do play it to her. And I'm going to be nice just, just for a minute. Um, having played with Lou, okay, Robbo, um, for a long time, and her now obviously being my first team coach, I've known her for a very, very long time. I don't really think she gets... Um, she doesn't ask for recognition or, or plaudits, but I think sometimes um, it's nice for everybody to hear something they do makes a difference um, and like I said knowing her for as long as I have um, how much of a difference and impact she's made on my football playing career or what we'd call it um, she's made a massive difference someone that I used to look up to and I still do uh, in different terms obviously football in my first but as the first team coach now um, someone that I do go to for answers um, someone I trust um, but all in all, um, I made a very good friend um, when, obviously, I met Lou and I've known her for as long as I have. And anybody who does come across Lou, whether that's obviously um, in the playing capacity years ago or within her coaching role now, um, in my opinion, is very lucky. Um, and we are, at Stoke, lucky to have her. Um, she did leave for a little bit when she stopped playing football, uh, but I'm very glad she's back um, and everything that she does do for us. I, don't, I wouldn't want her to think that it, it goes unnoticed. She was a brilliant player and is a very, very, very good coach. Like I said, we're very lucky to have her. That's enough of me being nice. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if you could play that too, I'd be much appreciated. That's different. Meg doesn't really say nice things. Um, <laughs> so that's really appreciated. She, um, yeah, she, she's a player of very few words in some respects, so that means quite a lot. 
Yeah, that that was like I say, it was love where you come from. Like that, yeah, definitely, definitely making sure you hear that because that's. Yeah, I think it is important as well that you do. There is people that do things in in all types of life, and you don't get the recognition because you just get, especially when you like yourself, you've been you've been around, um, for such a long time with Stoke that you can just be looked at and go, "Oh, that's what she does," and it's it's easy to overlook and not appreciate what you actually do, isn't it? It's nice to hear somebody actually say, yeah, I do. we do appreciate what you do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is, it's nice because football now is it's a business. Um, and I think sometimes we forget that 95% of people involved in football don't do it for a career or because it's a business. We do it because we love the sport or the club or the group, whatever that might be. Um, and we sometimes we kind of, we kind of forget the context of that. Um, I coach because I love football, but more importantly, I love Stoke City Football Club. Um, would I be at another club right now? Would I come back into football after retiring for anybody else? Absolutely not. Um, there was only one club that would have ever pulled me out of that kind of phase of I want my weekends back, and it would have been Stoke. So I think it's nice sometimes just to be reminded that actually if there are still people involved in the game um, whether you're a supporter, a coach, a player that play for the pure passion of the game um, play because they love it or they love the club or the people that they're around and that's really important You know what, I think that's a perfect way to end so thank you for, for coming on today Lou uh, with a fantastic standard in fact I think I think Mike might be the best book his ideas up otherwise <laughs> he'll be off full time <laughs> um, but yes you're more than welcome to come back anytime um, and yes let's hope that we you know three points for both Stoke sides on Sunday and a positive weekend absolutely and thanks for having me lads it's been a pleasure no problem have, have a good weekend Andy anything to say on the way out Let's just hope that the injury situations that we've got aren't as bad as what we expect. Yes, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.